Thank you, Anita. When we think about God and what He can do, we can also stop and ponder God working in our lives and giving us a relationship with Him, making us part of the body of Christ. And in that context, I'm going to say in way of encouragement to you as a body, thank you for the encouragement that I've received and have, well, recently, but particularly in recent months, just by your being the body, seeking to apply the one another's, to encourage one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, and we can list other one another's. That's just a deep, deep encouragement to hear how the body functions day by day without someone pushing you, just being the body. So thank you for that encouragement. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ and what he speaks in Mark chapter 13. And as we look at a portion of Mark 13 this morning, we want to be open to hearing, to applying in our lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. I'm looking for brief responses. What does modern day news tend to do to you? What does modern day news tend to do to you or how does it affect you? How do you tend to respond to modern day news? Pardon? Frightening. Discouraging. Discouraging. Anxiety. Anxiety. I mean, you can watch the news, you can read the news, you can listen to the news, you hear about what's happening, you know, in Iraq or Iran. Some people are pleased with the elections. Some may not be pleased with the elections. We can hear about the shootings that are taking place. It seems like so many places in our country. We hear the threat of terrorism, you know, on our own, within our own country. And it just goes on and on and on. How does the average person in our community respond to such news? Just stop and think about that. How does the average person in our community respond to the news that they hear on a daily basis, whether they see it, or they listen to it, or they read about it? Is such news really new? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark 11 and 12 Jesus was teaching in the temple. And we know that Jesus basically has turned away from the temple in Jerusalem. He has pronounced, I guess, basically a curse on it. But he also had been teaching in the temple. And when we get to chapter 13, he has left the temple. I want to begin reading with verse 1 of Mark 13. As he was leaving the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. 
As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guards. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then Jesus goes on to speak about the abomination of desolation and so on. We'll pick up with that in the future. But a number of weeks ago, we talked about as Jesus leaves the temple, the disciples pose some statements. What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And remember, the temple was years and years and years in the building. We're dealing with stones that weighed thousands of tons, a single stone. And Jesus' response is, not one stone, here will be left another, everyone will be thrown down. That is as they're leaving the temple. They journey on and they end up in the Mount of Olives. When it went down in the valley, then up in the Mount of Olives, which is opposite the temple, in the Mount of Olives you could actually look into the sanctuary of the temple. So Peter, James, and John, and Andrew ask, when will these things happen? When will this tearing down of the temple, destruction of the temple take place? And they ask a second question, and what will be the sign that they're about to be fulfilled? And then Jesus responds, you know, watch out. He throughout the chapter talks about being alert, being aware, being your guard. Why? Because he clearly states, many will come in my name claiming, I am he. The warning is clearly stated in verse 5. So they're posing a question, this temple being destroyed, not one stone being left on another. You know, when's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of these things being fulfilled? And Jesus says, watch, watch out, that no one deceive you. He begins with that. Watch out. The reason he says, watch out. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he. That's the reason for the warning. 
The warning is to be discerning so that no one leads you astray. Now, please keep in mind that this is given, first of all, to the apostles. He's speaking to them. They ask a very pointed question, and he's saying to them, you, as the apostles, need to watch out. Be alert so that you're not deceived. Mark, in turn, is writing to the church in Rome. The believers in Rome are receiving this letter, and they would be hearing what Jesus says, watch out, know that you're not deceived. Seems to be an application to the apostles, an application to the church in Rome, and I think there's also an application to us today. But he clearly says the potential is there for you to be led astray. Here's the men that have been with Jesus. He says, watch out lest you're not led astray. The reason, he says, for the warning is that many will come claiming to be the Christ. If you look at verses 26 and 27, Jesus clearly says what it's going to be like when he comes back. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, to the ends of the heavens. Jesus says, look out, because many will come claiming to be the Christ. Being led astray is a threat to faithful discipleship. To the apostles, to the church in Rome, and I think to the body of Christ down through the ages, including today. Many will come claiming I am he and will deceive many. Threats to discipleship come from many quarters. But contrary to what is expected, the greatest threats are not external, but internal. Because what are people doing coming and saying, I am he? Deceivers will arise and say, I am he, I am the Christ. Preceding the Jewish revolt in AD 66, several messianic pretenders arose. In the mid-40s, according to Acts 5, the Deus boasted of various signs, including the ability to part the Jordan. And Josephus says... He had the potential to deceive many. So you go down the road just a few years, someone's claiming to be the Christ. Believers are to be alert, sensitive, especially the 11, the Roman church, alert as to what will take place. Imposters come and say, I am he. Their powers will give the impression that they are the Christ and it will have a tremendous impact. In the second Jewish revolt in A.D. 132 to 135, 
Barcoba made a claim of being the Messiah, and his claim swept many Jews into the revolt. Please recognize the direct application to the apostles. The application to the Roman church because the letter is being written to the Roman church. And as you compare it with 1 John, I think there's an application to us today where people come along and lead astray. So first of all, be in your guard. Be alert. Because many people come claiming to be the Christ. He also says, be in your guard because there will be wars and rumors of wars. When you hear wars and rumors of war in verse 7, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but still the end is to come. When you hear wars, you hear rumors of war, he says to the 11, don't be alarmed. Why? Because the end hasn't come yet. You will find that as you look at the pages of history, Threats will come from international affairs, natural calamities. But Jesus says, don't be alarmed. There were fears in their war of A.D. 40 when the Roman emperor elected a, or erected a statue of himself in the temple in Jerusalem. Josephus, in his writing of the history, mentions in Calgala's day where there was a 25-year war. In AD 66, zealots plunged Palestine into a time of war. There were famines during the Roman ruler Claudius's time, earthquakes struck Ferga in A.D. 61 and leveled Pompeii in A.D. 63. The language is very strongly parallel to what happened in Nero's day when there was all kinds of civil war following his suicide. Not surprisingly, towards the end of the first century in Revelation 6, John talks about some similar items. The purpose of the list of wars and rumors of war and what I just shared and what Jesus says is not to spur believers into speculations about when the end is going to come, but rather to exhort them to be watchful, to be alert. So when you hear about wars and rumors of war, we say, well, I've got to figure out when's the end coming. Jesus says, no, don't worry about the end. Be alert, be watchful, pay attention, live well in the present time. The purpose of the woes in verse 8. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. Is not <clears throat> to lure us into figuring out the future. All these things, Jesus says, are the beginning of birth pains. 
the calamities that take place that Jesus speaks of here, don't interrupt the kingdom, but rather just the fulfillment of what God has designed. The book of Acts, to some extent, is a commentary on some that takes place in this context. Because verse 9 goes on, you, will be, you must be in your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them and so on. See, there's a lot happening. There's wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and earthquakes will be in various places. But he said the end has not come yet. <clears throat> the end has not come yet. I want to give a word of warning, a word of exhortation. Is it wise to try to figure out all the nations that are going to be involved in future events and wars that take place in the Middle East? Is it wise to try to figure everything out? Jesus seems to be saying of much greater importance is to be alert, to watch, so that you're not deceived. I'm not going to share this morning, but I think there's something happening in our nation today that basically has been overlooked because we're more concerned sometimes about the future than being watchful and alert. Jesus says you expect these things. We can focus too much on events of what's going to be happening in the future to the point that we miss being alert and our go on our guard. And we also can discourage people. Oh, the world's really getting bad. I'm not debating that. Oh, look what's happening in the Middle East. I'm not debating that. But are we at the same time encouraging people to be alert, to be in their guard? The news is depressing. The news is discouraging. But it's not new. Earthquakes, famines have been around for many years. And I think Jesus is talking about some things that were taking place soon after he left the earth. See, so the above items... No, some will claim I am he. You hear wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against king, king. Nation will rise against nation. There's earthquake, earthquakes. There's famines and so on. That's only the beginning of the birth pains, not the birth. Beware of too much emphasis on the future. Because the purpose of Mark 13 doesn't seem to be to spell out a roadmap for the future, but an exhortation to be on your guard, to be alert. In the time in which the apostles were living, living or the Roman church or us today, he clearly says these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, in light of what Jesus is saying here, I want to give a word of encouragement 
as it relates to prophetic teaching. And I'm saying beware. And I'm talking about prophetic teaching in the time in which we live. Context is always important. Context is always important. If I'm going to go and say, well, Revelation 13 says this about the future, I probably need to step back a little and make sure it's in the proper context. I can say, well, let's turn to Isaiah or Jeremiah and let's look at this verse. But am I confident of the context? Very, very important as it relates to study of Scripture. Also, secondly, understand the why of being written. That is the purpose. Why was Mark's gospel given? Mark's gospel was given to the Roman church to encourage them in the midst of persecution. They were going through the very things that Jesus describes in verses 9 through 11. He's writing to encourage them. They're being persecuted. Some of them are being killed. Oh, Jesus talks about this, he says. Uh, You'll be handed over to the local councils, flogged in the synagogues. You'll stand before governors and so on. You know, why is it being written? To encourage Roman believers and I think to encourage us today. Consider also when it is written. You know, it's just important. When? Understand how the original hearers heard it. How they understood it. As the believers in Rome... We're hearing about earthquakes, hearing about famines, hearing about nation against nation and so on. Oh, yeah, some of this has been happening. And we are dying for our faith. So we better figure out what's going to happen in the future. No, Jesus says, they're just the beginning of birth pains. Be in your guard, be alert. We need to be more faithful. We need to be on our guard so that no one leads us astray. Because in light of all this happening, people are saying, I am the Christ. And then keep in mind, the context of the entire book must be considered to see how a specific passage fits in with the flow of the prophecy. (coughs) I'm encouraging us today to be discerning when it comes to discussing future events. The teaching of future events should not instill fear, should instill confidence. As scripture is presented in context. Jesus then says, in verse nine, you must be in your guard That is, exercise the faculty of insight. Be aware, discern, guard against. It says that in verse 9, after saying, what are the beginning of the birth pains? And the reason they're to be in their guard is because you'll be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. So Jesus is speaking to the 11, and he says, look, here's what's going to happen. Lord willing, Next week, we'll discuss in Acts how this was taking place in the book of Acts. 
how the apostles were handed over to local councils. They were flogged. And what happened as a result? On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings and witness to them. Should we be surprised when we hear Jesus say what he does about persecution? He's saying to his apostles, expect it. Mark is writing to a church, and as they would hear this, they would say, oh yeah, we're living in the birth pains because we've been before Nero. We're lighting his garden. We're being thrown to the lions. Imagine the encouragement to that or to them. You say, how can that be encouraging? We're dying for our faith. Are we on target? And they hear someone read Mark's gospel and they say, yeah, we're on target because Jesus told us to be in our guard, to be alert, to be discerning because this is what is to be expected. See, when we know what's coming, it makes a difference in how we live. Years ago, after I had my skull tumor removed, had that done on a Monday, I think it was, came home Tuesday, and Tuesday night, I said to Ruth Ann, I don't know what's happening to me. I said, my whole head is going numb, and it's going down the back of my head, down my neck. Her response was right away, let's go to the emergency room. My response is not so fast. But we ended up going to the emergency room and, uh, you know, they poked around in my head for a while and they uh, finally said, well, that's what happens with your type of surgery. It'll probably come back, but it'll be numb for a while. Thanks for telling me. So we get home and go to sleep and think, well, got a numb head. Better watch how I say that. (laughs) But I knew what to expect. And then I went to Dr. Scott. Later on, he said to me, your lungs are bad. They'll never get any better. And, you know, you better keep after them or you're going to lose what you have. He said, your joints are hurt. That's just life. Get used to it. It'll never go away. And he said, your eyes could turn bad at any time. That's why you go... Yearly for eye checkup. He was warning me. So when my bones hurt, my joints hurt, I thought, well, Dr. Scott said that's to be expected. So when I go out and jog and huff and puff, I thought, well, that's to be expected. My lungs will never get beyond what they are, but I better keep what I have. See, I knew what was coming. And here's what Jesus is saying to the apostles be in your guard, you will be handed over to local councils. You'll be flogged. Mark is saying to the church in Rome, you will be flogged, you'll be handed over to local councils. Expect it. Isn't that encouraging? We know what's coming. We say that's not good. But apparently it's part of following Christ because Christ suffered and died and we partake 
of his sufferings. They knew what to expect. You will be handed over to local councils. On account of me, you will be before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Wouldn't it be neat as we pray for those in authority over us, whether it be in a local level, whether it be in a state level or a county level or a national level, that some of us went through persecution. And you're standing before some judge in our county, and the judge is saying, you're guilty of speaking of Christ in your neighborhood. Anything you want to say? Yeah. Let me tell you about Jesus. Boy, if we could just get through to Governor Corbett or Governor-elect Wolf about Christ. Scott was fired from his job because uh, he was got talk, caught talking about Christ on the job. And Governor Corbett ends up hearing about it and uh, hears about some other people that have gotten into trouble and they just talk to him about Christ. Jesus is saying to the apostles, I think to the Roman church, and I think to some extent today, to our world today, <clears throat> that on account of me, on account of Christ, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. That happened in Acts. That is happening in the Middle East today. Where those who are being persecuted for their faith are standing before leaders and sharing Christ. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Is it possible that if we're too silent, we may never stand before someone to speak of Christ. If the 12 apostles had been silent in the book of Acts, they would have never stood before kings and rulers and before religious leaders. It was because of their speaking that that happened. And Jesus seems to be saying to the 12, expect that. To the Roman church, expect that. The gospel will be preached. You'll be arrested and you'll be brought to trial. That's life. Expect it. That's why he says, be alert. Watch out. Because as the twelve are being persecuted, they go to prison. They're being killed. The Roman church is being persecuted. They're being killed. They'll be tempted to say, this must not be right. There's something wrong here. We shouldn't have this difficulty. And Jesus is saying, yes. Twelve, expect it. Roman church, expect it. And I think to some 
Do you agree today? Expect it. The Roman believers in the twelve were to expect difficulty. They were to be on their guard. So when we think about news today, don't be overly alarmed. A lot of it is the beginning of birth pains. Be in your guard. Be alert. I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but probably many of us have heard about the Iranian believer who is a U.S. citizen, went back to his country, Iran, to do some work there, and the last time he went, they detained him. He's in prison, one of the most horrible prisons in Iran. On his daughter's birthday, he was able to get a letter out to her and was praising God for God's grace working in his life, God's enablement for him as he is being persecuted for his faith. He's being alert. He's being discerning. That's expected. Let's pray together. Father, as we read and discuss this portion of Mark's gospel, it's not one that we may fully identify with in terms of our own lives. But as we look at church history, we know that it was a reality, and in some parts of the world today it is a reality. May we grasp the thrust of Mark 13, that the disciples ask about the temple and Jesus explains what is happening and gives some idea what is to come in the future from their time perspective. But yet the greater thrust seems to be to be alert, to be wise, to be discerning. And as those that are living in the 21st century We know that you've said much about the future, but yet we need to be wise and discerning. May we, as a people here at Roaring Brook, be wise and discerning, be in our guard, be alert to know what is correct and incorrect in light of your word. And if we do go through difficulty because of our faith in Christ, may we not be shocked. But that is part of what you've called us to. Father, we want to love you. We want to be faithful to you. Day by day, for your glory in Christ's name, amen.